Well, welcome back to Two Pastors and a Mic. My name is Shannick. And I'm Corey. And we're so thankful that you're with us today as we continue the conversation of You Have Permission. But before we get to that, I just want to also say thank you for those of you who've left a review. We really appreciate that. We haven't we love, had a review in a long time. I know. So do and we it. love reading them so much. What we mean is go to op- <laughs> Apple Podcasts and literally give us type stars, but then type a review for us if you haven't already. We've had like 60 reviews, so we appreciate all of you who have. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then also share this podcast with a friend. It'd be a great uh, conversation starter. Do it. So question of the week, what you got? So there is a thing that's happening on social media where people are doing draft editions, which means we have a topic and then you and I pick the top five in a draft, in a snake draft style. Okay. And once you pick that, it's not up for grabs. And then we will post these teams online and you can share with us who has the better draft. So what we mean for first example not for first, our first draft edition is the greatest N64 games of all time, since that's the era that you and I grew up in right. with video games. So we'll have a total of five, right? We're drafting. We each have five, but once it gets taken, it's off the draft board. Like I can't take you. Gotcha. And you'll, I'll give you the first pick. And we'll post your five list to my five list. And then we'll let people vote who has the better overall. Who's got the better overall list. Top five lists. So oh, why wow. don't you go number one? You get the first round draft pick, but then snake draft, I get two and three. Okay. Best N64 games of all time. Yep. I mean, this one is just going to win this for me, and I hate it because it's the first pick, but I'm sorry. It's going to win the entire draft for me. a bold statement. Yeah, it's uh, GoldenEye 007. I mean, it's a great game. Anybody who's ever played N64 knows exactly what it is. Probably their favorite game of all time, too. And everyone who's played it knows that you get odd job with a golden gun, and you are invincible. And it is amazing. That's yeah. my first pick, GoldenEye 007. You think that's a great pick, but I wouldn't have even picked that if it, if I had the number one choice. Wow. Because how do you not take Mario Kart, which might have been the greatest game of all time? They didn't make 007 for the other Nintendo games that are ongoing. Yeah, because it's just for N64. It was yeah. so good, you can't replicate it. Yeah. I would say it was not as good as Mario Kart that you can't replicate it. Oh, no. Mario Kart number it's two, good. number three is Super Smash Brothers. I mean, how are you going to even compete now? We're talking Super a lot Smash of trash. Brothers. No, I get it. <laughs> I also think, of course, that maybe it did start with N64. I only remember Smash Brothers on the GameCube. That's it. Well, it is an N64 game, so. No, I got it. So, honestly, for my number, what number is two and number, number three. four and three, two and three in the draft. Right, but my yeah, but second and third second pick. Second and third pick. Um, I'm gonna go with. Man, I'm gonna pull these out of nowhere. I'm gonna <laughs> go. Um, Tony Hawk. It's a good game. Good pro, game. It was, is it Pro Skater? Is that what it's called? Yeah, Tony, Tony Hawk, Hawk Skater. Pro, and you, you get all the Tony Hawks. Yeah, That's man, N64 works. dude, that was the jam. It's a pretty good. And game. speaking of jam, dude, not with my third. Oh, NBA NBA Jam, jam dude. NBA Jam. Man, it came out on N64. And, dude, those three games probably, like, make up my entire childhood into my teenage years. Is NBA Jam the one where you only get two players? Two players. Yeah, that was a good game. Yeah, amazing game. But that's where I'm staying. Man, I think you you picked preference over what overall Overall. vote was because I can't believe you left Zelda on the table. I thought about it, but I'm just, I don't know. I mean, if... I'm going personal preference here. Okay, fine. That's fair. I'm going... Zelda and Mario Party. 
then you're sticking with Mario. The, I mean, they're the reason why Mario is one of the greatest yeah. games. Mario, but Party. I grew up on the original Mario on the original NES. That's the only Mario that really matters to me. Fair enough. All right, my last two choices. Honestly, this is again maybe this is preference. I'm not for sure, but I'm gonna go with WWF. <laughs> Which is now called WWE. Which is now WWE. <laughs> but I believe oh. the game was called WrestleMania. WrestleMania. Specific, specifically. And I'm pretty sure, uh, again, that I'm going preference. I, I remember playing that game till like probably I was 17, 18 years old. I loved that game. Uh, getting Macho Man. <laughs> Randy Savage was my go-to guy. And then I'm going with a game, and I don't know if you remember this, but it was called Hydro Thunder. Never heard of it. Never heard of it? Never heard of With it. With the hydro boats? Never heard of it. I'm going Hydro Thunder. <laughs> hydro Thunder. For... All right, my last pick is probably going to be NFL Blitz. It's a good game. Yeah. We left a couple on the table, like Perfect Dark and 1080 Snowboarding, but those are my top five. So we'll put that online. I think I I think I beat you. I think more people will would take my top five over your top yeah. five. Yeah, again, I think you went with like what will other people like not like what you personally would I love like Zelda. To draft. Zelda was the first N64 game I ever played because it came free with the purchase of it. I remember the Christmas my parents it really got like us. Like it was on the box. It was the only came. game we had. <laughs> and it was a one player game, so it wasn't yeah, like right. we had to take turns. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why I liked all the choices I made because I think in all of them you could play at least two, if you not four people. You voted for nostalgia over greatest, but it's okay. You'll learn yeah. in the draft. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see when you post it. If there are like true N sixty four diehard fans out there you that actually remember it, like it I really think they'll kind of lean my way. Like I really do. Anyways, episode three of you have permission. Today's gonna be a doozy. Even though we've kind of talked about this already is you have permission to question the scriptures. In fact, in my opinion, you should question the scriptures. And I know we've actually kind of talked about this topic a lot already. Uh, episode 34, we talked about how to read the Bible. Episode 48 in our Deconstructing series, we talked about how to approach the Old Testament violence, which again, you should really go back. I think that's one of our most listened to podcast episodes of all time. Uh, episode 81, we talked about the difference between living biblically and living Christ-like and why there's a difference. And then episodes 82 and 83, we talked about inerrancy in a, in a two-part series. And so we've kind of addressed this topic a lot. We've brought up a lot of questions and a lot of thoughts around this idea of questioning the scripture. And so today we're going to kind of look at more contradictions, um, really kind of bring some light to it to be like, oh, wait, maybe you should be questioning the scriptures a little bit. Yeah, more. and I think it's so important to continue this conversation about questioning scripture and having permission because some of us, we hold on to bad doctrine because of the emotional attachment that we've had with a person that we learned it from. Yeah, And it's bizarre when we read stories in the scripture in which the Lord is portrayed as commanding his people to murder, especially women and children, and people don't question that at all. But when someone points out that God is fully revealed and perfectly displayed in Jesus and that God will never do that or command that, we're automatically dismissed, hmm. accused of heresy, and labeled who doesn't really take the scriptures seriously, or that person really isn't even a true Christian. And so that's why we have to talk about this. You know, if, if a 
preacher or a theologian or even scripture says, well, God said something and then pours forth violence and hatred. I think we need to be so bold as to say, well, as far as God is revealed in Jesus, as I see it, there's no way that he commanded that or would even want us to believe that. Hmm. And so this is what we're saying, that it's okay to question these things. And if you're following along with us in this episode, your conclusion might be different than ours, but someone who really does take the time to study the Bible and actually dive into it should be questioning some things. Yeah. I think it's very ironic when people are like, you don't take the Bible seriously. I think questioning the Bible actually reveals that you do take the Bible seriously because there are some hard topics that we should be contemplating. Even if you come to a different conclusion, like you just said, you should have permission to question. And so our conclusion ultimately, and you and I actually agree on this specific statement, that Jesus is the lens through which we read the scriptures. There's some people that disagree with that statement and that's, that's okay. But if Jesus and God are one, and if to know Jesus is to know God, according to John eight nineteen, yep. then any conception of God that doesn't look like Jesus is therefore an idol by mm-hmm. definition. And so the Bible, we, we try to help people understand that the Bible is not authoritative in your life. Like people will always talk about, you got to right. stand on the authoritative word of God, right. the Bible. Okay, the Bible points to the person who's authoritative. The Bible is not authoritative. The The Bible points to right. Jesus, who's Jesus revealed is. in the Bible, and he's the person who has authority in your life. And so when you actually start to read the scriptures, and I know ever since the internet existed, really in the last 20 years specifically, people, especially in the Christian faith, have been exposed to the reality that there are contradictions, that there are specific errors, um, some minor and not important at all, but some that you really have to look at and question. And I know we talked about this specifically on part two of our inerrancy series, which I think is episode 83, right? We talked about five real quick things. Are these things you wanted to share real quick or? Yeah. I mean, it it doesn't matter. Um, But we did talk about this on our inerrancy podcast as well. But if you think about it, like the first thing is Paul claims that the old covenant actually had faults. And this is according to Hebrews eight, seven, because he says, and if it was Paul, he says, for if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. So basically he's even saying, Hey, something was wrong with that first covenant. We did say Paul, but we don't know who the author of Hebrews is. That's that's such a funny thing. Cause look at, as we are recording this, that is one of those things that sometimes we just blatantly say, say because they've been taught, or, yeah. even though we do not know who the author of Hebrews is. But whoever the author of Hebrews is, yeah, said that there was something wrong with it. Right. And then you, the second thing is, you know, you have these people that are called the Moabites. They are bad and aren't allowed to dwell among God's people. And this is according to Deuteronomy 23. But then when you think critically about it, right, Ruth was a Moabite. And she challenges the prejudice against then Moabites. And she has a whole book in the Bible. <laughs> she does. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. The third thing, you know, people from Ooze, is it Ooze? I think it's Ooze. Ooze, Uz, Uz, Whatever. Uzi. Uzi. Yeah. Are evil according to Jeremiah 25. But then Job, a man from Ooze, who is labeled the most blameless man on earth. So are they blameless or are the people from Ooze evil? Hmm. Next, you know, no foreigners or eunuchs are allowed, according to Deuteronomy 23. But then the African eunuch was welcomed and baptized into the church in Acts chapter 8. Hmm. 
And then, of course, we all, well, maybe not we all, but many of us have heard about how the Jews hated Samaritans, but then Jesus tells us a story of a good Samaritan, which to them would have been a blatant contradiction. Yeah. Because there is no such thing as a good Samaritan. And we can give you tons of them. I mean, you also have, here's one of my favorite ones to point out, even though in, in my opinion, it's easily explained. And some of these contradictions are easily explained. And some of them are easily explained when you understand that Jesus is the lens through which you look at scripture. And so there are some things that you should reject as you're reading scripture, because it doesn't line up with who God is revealed as Christ. But, you know, Second uh, Samuel 2, 24 says, the anger of the Lord burned against David and tells him to go do a census, which earlier in the chat, uh, earlier in the previous chapter, it tells him not to do the censor, census. So this is a really ironic statement. And then First Chronicles 21, verse 1, talks about the exact same thing. It's written 300 years later. They have a better understanding that God is not the author of evil and good, which when Samuel was written, they just believed that anything that happened, whether good or bad, was God. Oh, that's God's judgment. A volcano happened. No, a yeah. volcano just erupted. That's a natural disaster. So in First Chronicles 21, 20, uh, 21, 1, it literally says, no, Satan incited David to take a census. To take the census. So it's yeah. like, okay, that's a blatant yeah. contradiction. Yeah. Either or, God commanded it or Satan yeah, which one? asked them to. Which one was it? And they battled that. So people yeah. in the scriptures even were like, ah, that's a scripture that's written, but they didn't get it accurate. Yeah. And because I'm, they, glad you, I'm glad you did say that too about just this progressive, progressive revelation. Because even if you think about like Job, who most scholars will tell you that is the oldest book in the Bible. And it mentions things in there like, you know, God is the one who gives and takes. Mm-hmm. We've even we have written a song. songs about it. Yeah. He gives and takes away. But really now, after the progressive revelation and looking at it through the lens of Jesus, no, God does not take. Yeah, God gives life. He never takes life. And so that's where you have even people with the wrong pers- perspective of even when they lose loved ones, and why did God have to take them? Yeah. And they attribute it to God when he's the author of life, yeah. not death. That's good. And you just Dude, have to think about this critically. I just had a revelation literally on the spot because isn't in the book of Job, God comes to Job's three friends and said, you have literally gotten me wrong. Yeah. The things you've said about me, which are recorded in scripture are wrong and don't represent my heart. Yeah. And he says it in the scriptures. That's he did. ironic. <laughs> And speaking of like Old Testament scriptures, there's a lot in scholarly work. And I don't even know where I stand on some of these. It's almost too much to process. But there are several books of the Bible that are debated whether or not they're factual in terms of like they legitimately happen this way. For example, the story of Jonah. Many scholars don't believe that the story of Jonah was like an actual story. Rather, it was a story that more was More of like a parable down. to tell a point. Yeah, more of like a parable that had a truth within it with when you actually look at it critically, the, the point of, of the story of Job isn't, or the of story of Jonah isn't about a fish. It's a story about God's grace. If you read Jonah chapter four. And so, yeah, it's one of these like pre-shattering parables that were told that were passed down that cultures knew and understood and believed understanding like that has a greater truth, not necessarily a true story. And that's a lot of different, you know, books in the Bible are actually debated that way. Even the story of creation, if you look critically, even at the story of creation, there are other religions that predate uh, the authorship of the Bible. Or Judaism. Judaism, and they have a creation story that it looks like, oh my goodness, is our creation story plagiarized to a degree? And I, I, again, I don't know where I sit with some of that, but it's it's the reality. And speaking of plagiarism, um, I just learned this recently, is Proverbs 22 and 23, again, a great 
wisdom book, but it was almost plagiarized identically from the Egyptian work known as the instruction of, I can't even say that word. Um, you attempted Eminemope. Eminemope, whatever. But yeah, so it's like, wow. So there's plagiarism. Even Paul, this one was actually Paul because in Romans, what's that famous? Yeah, Acts 17. In, he says, in him we live and move and have our being. That yeah. was actual a poet that who wrote those words and he just adopted them and used them to describe who God was. Yeah, he redeemed culture, which I love. What a beautiful story of redemption yeah. is taking pagan ideology and then redeeming it and making it about Jesus. And Paul even does that. And there's a lot of even contradictions when you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus versus Moses, so to speak. And I think we have written here for you six blatant explanations. And the first one is this, is Moses says that God only sends rain on the just. He does not send rain on the unjust, according to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Yet Jesus says God sends rain on the just and the unjust alike, according to Matthew 5, 45. Right, and if we continue that thought, Moses says, show no compassion. There is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. This is Deuteronomy 19, 21. But then Jesus comes along and says, bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and to turn the other cheek. This is in Matthew 5. Yeah. Moses says a man may divorce his wife for any reason, any reason at all, according to Deuteronomy chapter 24. Jesus says a man may only divorce his wife only if she is unfaithful, according to Matthew 5, 32. Yeah, Moses says take oaths in God's name, according to Deuteronomy 6, 13. Jesus says let your yes be yes and your no be no, and do not basically take an oath, and that's in Matthew 5, 37. Moses says adulterers should be executed, dead, done. Can you imagine if this was a real law today? According to Leviticus 20, verse 10, Jesus says, let the one who is without sin cast the first stone. And he even spoke to the woman, I do not condemn you for your adulterous affair, according to John chapter 8. Yeah, and then lastly, on this ideology of comparing Moses and Jesus, Moses says, do not work on the Sabbath. This is Deuteronomy 5, 14. And do not carry a load on the Sabbath. This is Jeremiah 17. But Jesus says, take up your mat on the Sabbath, according to John 5. Yeah, and then walk. Yeah. He broke that. He broke both those laws in the same miracle. Yeah. That's wild. And again, okay, rapid fire. You ready for this? There's a plethora of contradictions in Scripture that I, again, if you read them through the lens of Jesus, you know which one to reject. For example, how long does Yahweh's anger last? According to Micah 7, 18, it's not forever. According to Jeremiah 17, 4, it is forever. Does Yahweh tempt people? No way, according to James chapter 1, verse 13, but according to Genesis 22, verse 1, he tempted Abraham. Can a salvation be obtained by works? No, by faith only, according to Galatians 2, 16 and Romans 3, 28. Yet Jesus said that if you want to enter life, keep the commandments, according to Matthew 19, verse 17. And James even says it's not by faith alone, James 2, 24. What are the consequences for seeing Yahweh's face? Death, according to Exodus 33. Preservation of life, according to Genesis 12, 7. Uh, and then John 1, and we've talked about this before, but no one has seen God's face except for now Jesus. Is God the author of evil? No, according to 1 John 4, 8. Yes, according to Isaiah 45, 7. According to Genesis. This one's one of those silly ones, but people who aren't a part of the faith have real criticism towards it. According to Genesis, were humans created before animals? Uh, according to Genesis 2, 18 to 19, they were created before. According to Genesis 1, 25 to 27, they were created after. 
there's a discrepancy. Which one is it? On the road to Damascus, did Paul's traveling companions hear the voice of God? No, according to Acts 22.9. Yes, according to Acts 9.7. Okay, what do you do with this? Will the, last, will the earth last forever? No, according to 2 Peter 3.10. Yes, according to six other places. Psalm 37.29, uh, Ecclesiastes 1.4, Psalm 119.90. Um, there's a plethora of other. I'm not going to go through it. And then lastly, uh, is Jesus the only man to ascend into heaven? No, because Elijah did, according to 2 Kings 2.11. However, if you read John 3.13, it says, yes, only only Jesus is the one who ascended. Yeah. There was also another dude, his name was Enoch. It said he walked with the Lord and then was no more. Oh, I don't, I don't know. know what that And means I have me. literally, if you really care about this, I could go on for an hour and a half because I have over, probably over 500 different discrepancies like that that I've kept in a notebook. And if you're curious about it, you can email me and say, hey, send me those contradictions and scriptures so I can look at them. My email is Corey, C-O-R-Y, at hillcity.tv, and I will send you all of my information on this subject for you to just dive into. And again, I'm not saying, oh, like, you should just not believe certain stuff. I'm just saying, hey, we're giving you permission to question certain things. Just question. And I know back in episode 81, we actually talked about the six places where Jesus even contradicts the Old Testament. I remember mm-hmm. some of them we me, just talked about. Yeah, with some Moses. of them we just did, and you asked me several questions. You put me on the spot. Oh yeah, I remember this. You did. You did amazing. I think I only missed one. I don't maybe even. I, I don't I, even think it was you like gave, a half. I remember answer. you. Were it was like, a yes. Let your yes be yes yeah, question. You answered it right, know. but then you were like, "Oh, it's not good enough." Yeah, but like even things like what we just talked about. You know, Jesus says rise, take your mat and walk on the Sabbath. Like he is contradicting the law that was in place. Mm -hmm. And basically we get to this place where we ask, well, how do we even know what to believe then? Yeah. Aren't you picking and choosing and making the Bible say what you want it to say? Mm. Shana and Corey. Well, no, this is not an arbitrary realignment of truth in the scriptures. It's a Christ centric alignment of truth which sees Jesus as the standard. Why? We've already mentioned because we believe that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father because no one has ever seen God at any time except for seeing God in Jesus, which means that those other people who wrote the Old Testament did not see God clearly and certainly not as clearly as Jesus Right, because Jesus came, what, in the flesh. Yeah, he came to reveal God in the flesh. You know, in the Old Testament scriptures, it was said that God commanded his people to kill innocent children and women and even warned them not to hold back or to show any compassion on the infants or the toddlers. You know, he says this in Deuteronomy chapter 20 when he told the Israelites to go and attack the Amalekites or however you say that. Can you imagine Jesus turning to you and commanding you to go next door and kill every man, woman, child, and even the pets of your neighbors. Does that sound like something Jesus would say? Does that sound like something that the Abba of the universe revealed by Jesus would command his children to do? Of course not. Yeah. Not at all. Therefore, I would say that we can conclude that verses like these are projections of God's character made by men who sometimes heard from God prophetically and at other times like this, did not. And how can we know this? Well, because we know that God is revealed to us by Jesus and he would not command this sort of violence against women or children, nor would he condemn someone for showing mercy and compassion on the weak and the helpless. 
Yeah. Jesus has shown us the Father. He is like the Father, always has been like the Father, and the Father is like Jesus. Jesus cannot contradict himself. So how in the world would he lay down his life for us and yet murder other people? Even if your ideology of what Jesus is going to come back, like if your ideology of of like Jesus returning in the future to murder people doesn't line up with Jesus revealed to us in the cross, then you have misunderstood and misrepresented Jesus in the book of Revelation. The father that Jesus reveals to us does not command us to kill our enemies or their infants. Instead, he commands us to love our enemies, to bless them, to do good to them, and to pray for them. And at the end of the day, we can question a lot of scripture, and people ask that question all the time. What do you believe then, and how do you know what to believe, and how do you know which translation to read, and why are so many translations get different verses wrong depending on what context you're at? The question isn't to ask, am I getting the Bible right? But rather, what kind of life is our reading of the Bible producing in you? individually. Right. Because I can say every time that Jesus did contradict something in the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, he did it to show love. Mm. And love will always prevail and be a priority. Yeah. So hopefully this episode was very thought provoking. Maybe yeah. we've, we've revealed some stuff. I feel like we've beaten this subject like a dead horse. Uh, what's that? What's that phrase? Yeah, Beating it right. like a dead horse. I mean, again, if you want more context and more understanding of where we've been in this journey, go check out episode 34, how to read the Bible, episode 48, deconstructing Old Testament violence, episodes 81, 82, and 83. We unpack inerrancy and biblically versus Christ-like living. This is just another one. We're not telling you to believe exactly like us. We're encouraging you that if you're going to be a student of the Bible specifically, it should provoke you to question some things, and those questions are okay. Yep. In fact, I think that those questions are the only thing that produce growth. Yeah, so you have permission to ask questions. If you like this episode, share it with someone who you think would benefit from it. Maybe share it with someone who you know is going to disagree, and then dialogue about it, because dialogue also produces growth. Love that. And just with that, just know you are loved, and there's nothing you can do about it.